page to to uh, try to play it and saw a bunch of chords I didn't know. So be thankful I put this thing down or it would have sounded horrible. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll try to uh, get past verse 1 this, this afternoon and uh, looking to, to go down through verse 3. Uh, but uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bo- body, or sorry, in the bond of peace. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truths of your word that we've been studying over the past several weeks of all that you've done uh, in our lives. Uh, in our salvation and in our sanctification, Lord, and all that you can do, Father, and are prepared to do over over the course of our lives, Father, preparing us for that day in heaven where we see Christ for the first time. Lord, I look forward to all that you're going to do. God, I pray that you would help us uh, to... To, uh, to, to lend ourselves to the study of your word, to the preparation of, of, of allowing the spirit of God to, and the word of God to dwell within us and to do the work within us that needs to be done. God, I pray that you would change us just like your word says you can. God, I pray that you would strengthen us just like uh, Paul prayed uh, for the church at Ephesus. God, I, I ask that you would do a work in us that can only be done uh, by you. And Lord, we trust your word. We pray that uh, we pray that uh, you would bless us now as we study it. Um, give us eyes to see, and ears to hear, and uh, and uh, and a heart to understand and apply these truths to. Lord, we thank you, Father, for all you do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. It, this morning we we talked about the change uh, that takes place in Ephesians chapter four from uh, the previous chapters. The previous chapters talked about uh, all the great work that God has done for us in our salvation uh, and the plan that God had had for us. The work that was done uh, uh, in our salvation through Christ and and in us by the Spirit. Uh, all three are are active in our salvation. That's in chapter one, uh, and then it goes on to talk about in chapter two what Christ did for us, how He found us dead, and and I'm not going to go back through all of it. That you've all heard it over and over again as we've been preaching through this, but it just excites me to think about all that God has done, all that God is doing, and all that God has promised to do. And, and knowing uh, those things, uh, he, Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, that now that you, 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 if you believe all these things, these are the doctrines that have been taught and that they accepted and they, 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 they placed their faith in. If you believe these things and you have a God that, that is able to do greater than we could ever ask or think, and not just greater, but abundantly exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think what could god do in us and and how 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 we should take those beliefs and and instead of just saying we believe something how do we allow that to affect our behavior and uh, and so that's the the, the change here the next couple of verses it, it, it makes it more practical for us or not just the next couple of verses but in the next several weeks we'll look at the behavior of the christian not just the beliefs of the christian but here we again we see uh, that we're to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we were called uh, and again that, this morning that, that walking worthy is the isn't the the way that we walk back and forth or or where we go but it's 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 the way that we conduct our lives uh, according to appropriately, appropriately according to the vocation, the calling that God has placed upon our lives, that calling of salvation, the calling uh, to be His child, the calling to 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 be fruitful and abundant, uh, the calling to to be with underneath uh, His, to be rooted and grounded in in, in the Word of God, and and uh, that calling uh, in 
in the, the reign of Christ. We're to be holy and acceptable uh, in his sight and blameless. And we've been called to do that. Now let's walk that way. Amen. And so verse 2 says this, With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The first thing I want us to see is this unique calling uh, that Paul had. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. Uh, Paul, Paul is a, uh, is, we know where he's at when he's writing this. He's, he's sitting in a prison cell. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, there's a guard that he's chained to uh, uh, at night time, and uh, the, the, he has guards outside of his home. Uh, uh, he's been banished there because, of, uh, uh, because uh, he was brought to Rome, and he's, he's there by Nero or whoever the, the governor was at the time. I believe it was Nero. Uh, uh, he, he's been sentenced there by the, the Jews wanted him in prison. They wanted him to go. They wanted him to be killed, honestly, is what they really wanted. Uh, but but uh, he, didn't, he didn't say that he was a prisoner of Nero. He didn't say that I'm a prisoner of justice or whatever the guy's name was who he was chained to or the people guarding his house. He wasn't a prisoner of the, Roman, the Romans or the Jews or anybody else. Although they may have had the authority to put him in jail, he was in jail because another authority allowed it to take place. He said, I'm the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I see here about his, his calling is his, his, his compulsion. He had a desire to, 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 to speak to uh, the, the church at Ephesus uh, in the midst of his, his, his uh, situation. It wasn't a good situation as far as the world's concerned. Uh, uh, getting thrown in jail and, and eventually having your head cut off is really a bad kind of thing, place to be. Uh, you don't want to be there. Uh, but Paul willingly allowed himself to be there, and, and, uh, but he didn't allow that to stop his ministry. And, and the reason was, it falls back into why he calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He realized that God had sovereignly had him there for a reason. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't something being done to him. It was the ministry God had called him to, to, to be in. And sometimes we look at our lives and we look at the troubles that we're going through, the trials that we face, the, the situations, we, the circumstances we find ourselves in, and we'll, we'll blame God or we'll say so-and-so, this happened or this happened or this person let that happen or this person did it to me or this person did it to me. No, you're there because God allowed it to happen in your life. Well, that isn't fair. Paul could have said the same thing. He lost his head over that. And, and, and listen, the, 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 this is his egregious, terrible, wicked, evil deed that he did. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he was there to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God allowed that to happen so that, so that, he, could, so that he could minister, he could preach the gospel in Rome to, to those that were in, uh, those were in authority and then all those that were able to come to him. And he spent years. He, was, he wasn't there for a couple of days, for a couple of weeks. He was there for years preaching the gospel to anybody that would lend him an ear. What a blessing it was that he was able to do that. And then he was able to minister back. We have the, all the Pauline epistles. He was able to minister to the churches that he had started through this, through this ministry. He, even though uh, he was in the midst of that situation, even though he was going through that difficult time, even though he was imprisoned, he still had a desire to serve God in the midst of that problem. Here's the question. When we go through difficult times, when we go through difficult circumstances, is, is our heart's desire just trying to get us out of the circumstances, or are we just willing to serve God in our circumstances? Because I don't know about you, but I'd like to get out of the circumstances. <laughs> it would be, it would be if, if it's left up to us, it would be, okay, take me out of this, and God, I'll serve you over there. And God says, no, I have you right here for a purpose. Who did Paul, who did Paul meet in, 
besides all the people he preached to, and there were some that believed and others didn't. We don't, we don't necessarily know all the ones that he met, but there are certain people that we know that he met in Rome and ministered to in Rome, and he got saved under his ministry. In fact, there's an entire book written, uh, written about one man uh, to, another, to another man who, who was his owner. He was a slave, an escaped slave. He'd stolen money, and, and he'd, he'd run out to Rome where he met Paul and came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he went back, carrying a letter to the, to the, the, the pastor of a church who, was, uh, who had owned him as a, as a slave. And, 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 and Paul pretty much put him on the line and said, listen, whatever he owes you, put it on my tab. Why did he do that? How, how was he able to minister? Why, why did he just say, you know what, I am here, leave me alone, I'm, I'm going through my own stuff. Because God had a, a, a ministry for him. He realized he belonged to God and his life belonged to God. Remember the Bible verse that says, ye are bought with a price, therefore you're not your own. Remember, remember where the Bible says that uh, how uh, we are, uh, that the love of Christ constraineth us? That if he died for us, that we should all be willing and, and, and gladly die for it. Listen, God's not asking you, it's easy to die. I mean, it, it just takes a moment. And, and, and prayerfully, hopefully, if that ever came to the point where you had to, to choose to, to, to die for Christ or, or not, you would choose to, to, you would make that choice. I, I wish, I hope to say that, I, I, I don't know what would happen, I hope that God would give me the grace to be able to stand there, and I believe he would, but if, if somebody was holding a gun to my head and they said, denounce Christ, I hope I would say yes. Until I get to that point, I don't know what I'd do. I could stand here and say, oh, I would do that, but we live in America where that doesn't happen very much. In fact, hardly ever. There are people today in other in 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 in, in, in Muslim uh, Muslim areas in Africa in other countries where they they announce that they that they that they're a follower of Jesus Christ and they lose everything, including their life. You own a Bible in North Korea, you can be you can be killed. Uh, it's uh, so we're fortunate here, but but here it, 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 it's harder than it, it, it's hard to die for Christ. I, I'm not going to say it's not, uh, but it's it's hard to live for Christ because that's a daily choice. And, and what it comes down to is the fact that we no longer belong to ourselves because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my salvation. He he's given me new life. In fact, the truth is, everything that I have and everything that I am is all from Jesus Christ and the work of God in my life. Uh, and I I, stop, I step back and I look at what God has done in my life in the last in the last I've been saved since I was 15, but especially in the last 20 years, I'm just amazed at the grace God showed me and then the work God has done and how God has matured me and grown me in ways that, that I, would, I, I never could have imagined. And in, in fact, I wouldn't have thought it was possible. I look at that and think, wow, what has God done? Now, who am I to say no to God? Paul realized that he was God's sovereign possession, but also that the, the, we, we noticed the supreme providence there. God had him there for a purpose. He knew he was going to Rome long before he ever wrote this. Uh, in fact, uh, they kept telling him, listen, don't go back to Jerusalem because they're going to put you in shackles. And he says, listen, I know what I'm supposed to do. Why are you telling me not to go? Because God had wanted him to go to Rome. Now, when he got to Jerusalem, there was a period of time when I believe he was a little bit down. Uh, he was, he was uh, in jail, and, a, and a, 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 uh, an angel came and appeared to him and, and reminded him that God wasn't done with him yet and that he was going to go and preach in Rome. He knew where he was going. There was no question whether, whether he was going to get there or not. 
So, so this was all God's sovereign providence in your life. And listen, the things that are going on in your life are the providence of God as well. Even the bad things. As hard as that is to say. I look at Stoney Dart, who just passed away, suffered through the cancer that he just went through. Um, and they, they served God and traveled on the road. Man, they, they, their life was going from place to place, singing the gospel, uh, singing uh, and, and, and telling people about the gospel. Thinking, man, look at what God did. And then they came off the road, and it wasn't, it wasn't months before he found out he had cancer. He, he, he didn't get off the road before. He, it was, it was, there, was, there was no retirement for him. There was no next life for him. There was no, he's younger than I am. Yes, he is younger than I am. Oh, goodness. He's 41. You say, well, that's not fair. That was God's sovereign plan for his life. Now, we don't know what God did in, those, in, those, in the last year or two of, of his going in and, and getting the, the, the surgeries and the treatments and all the people that they've witnessed to and talked to. Uh, listen, uh, we don't know what kind of impact or what kind of, uh, what kind of seeds were planted or what kind of fruit that's going to come from all of that. But what I do know is, is uh, he didn't, I never once heard, him, uh, heard a, a single word about him being angry or upset about what God did. It was God's sovereign plan. Uh, even in our own midst, we have Barbara who's going through cancer right now and just had surgery and, and uh, is, is, is recovering from that. That's why she's not here this, today. Uh, say, well, why would God do that? It's just not fair. It's God's sovereign purpose. And I, don't, I wish I could tell you I knew the reason, but I don't. Because my mind is not God's mind. And I, I can't stand back and look at everything that God sees, but I do know that God had a plan and a purpose for it. When I got, when I got laid off from, from, from when I was... Uh, going from Gardner to a, not Gardner. When I went to, I was actually sharing this with, the, with with James last week. I had applied at Augusta Fire Department uh, while I was working at Gardner Fire Department. Um, we were going to have a kid, and I wanted uh, we were going to have Elijah actually, and I wanted to have that extra income, and it was more about the insurance because insurance there for families was free, and I was like, oh, well, not free, but very very cheap, and it covered everything. And so so I applied, and we didn't get it. And we went. We went. We were gone for a weekend or, or like two weeks, a week or two period. While we were gone, actually, I applied and I, I, they did the testing, and I came up. They hired three people. I was number four on the list. And so, while I was gone, they had another hiring process, and I wasn't there. And they did the list, and the guy who was behind me on the list got hired along with the, the guy I used to work. I didn't know that. I came back. My first day back was his last day there, and he's packing up. Like, where are you going? He's like, oh, it's my last day. He goes, I'm going to go to the Augusta Fire. They had a, a, I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, he said, well, that's, that's not fair. Well, it's God's plan. And what's funny is I got hired in the, next, the very next round. I was the first on the list uh, that they hired four. I was, I, was number four. I was the first on the list. They hired three guys behind me. And then for the first time in the entire history of the Augusta Fire Department, they laid off people within nine months of that, of that hiring. Or it's 10 months of that hiring. Um, Actually, it was December, so 11 months. I was, I was at Augusta Fire for 11 months and like 12 days. <laughs> just, short of, just short of my year of probation. What happened? The guy ahead of me, he was safe. I wasn't. If I had been there, I'd have been safe, right? What's all that? There's a reason. Because I left there and I went to Delta. I got, I got hired at Delta working a shift. I was able to come to church on Sundays. and I got, I, A shift that I shouldn't have been able to get, by the way. And I can stand back now and I look at how God manipulated. And it was like a puzzle that, that you and I couldn't figure out and put together. But God had it all worked out so that I would be able to, uh, so God could call me into the ministry and, and prepare me. And, and he was just getting me ready for all this stuff. 
I, I could look back and see the sovereign providence of God in all of that. At the time, I wasn't very happy about it because I didn't realize what was going on. But by the time I got laid off, when they, when they told me, I, I was talking to my, my partner, and he goes, he said, he goes, I, I, this is awful. We need, to, we need to really go. I said, I said, God has a plan. I don't know what it is yet, but God's got a plan. It wasn't, but a few months later, they called me to preach. So God, Paul here has, has sees the, uh, we see the sovereign possession, the sovereign, uh, the supreme providence of God. And, and then Paul's a serious plea. He begins to cry out uh, unto his, I beseech you. This is, this is important. Uh, he had a, a desire to get across that, that this, these people of God, uh, they, while they, they not only uh, do what they believe, but he, uh, it's, it's important to know what we believe, by the way, to know why you believe what you believe and to understand the doctrine of the Word of God so we should study it out and understand it. And he's gone over that. But now, not only has he just taught them the doctrine, but his plea is walk worthy. Don't just make it a mindset, but, but walk worthy. And then he goes on to say how or why. How do we walk worthy for the Lord? Now, we covered uh, several things this morning, but Paul here in these next verses talks about a submiss- the submissive character that we need. If we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, uh, there are some things that we need in our life. And the first is a lowly mindset. Verse, verse 2 says, with all lowliness. God does not want or like Pride. Think about it. The Bible says over and over again, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Uh, that the, the, the proud, and the, all throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about how uh, pride cometh before a fall. It's, it, God hates pride, but, but God loves the humble, contrite, broken heart. Uh, in, 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 in the New Testament, Jesus is talking about the two men that are praying. and The one is a Pharisee, well recognized by everybody. He gets up and says, I thank you that I am not like this other guy, uh, this, this, this publican, this sinner. Uh, I'm a good guy. I, I, give, I, give, I bring my money, the ties to the storehouse. I do all these things. And, and then the other guy just beats his chest. He knows he's a sinner. He knows he's not worthy of God's attention. He, he, he knows that he is a nobody. And it says that he couldn't even lift up his eyes. He just beats his chest and says, he says, thank you. Or have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's all. And he said, which one goes home? Home justified. The man who beat his chest. The sinner. Why? Because of the humility of his heart. Not the pride of his heart. God, it's, it's important that we have a lowly mind. Now, the purpose for this lowly mind really comes into, into the, 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 the whole purpose behind this. He's, uh, Paul is saying that we're to be lowly, have a lowly mind, meekness. We'll get through all these in a minute. But in the end, coming to the point where we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God's desire for the church, for the body, for Christians is to be unified together, not divided if I got, Satan has tried to divide the church or has tried to destroy the church from the outside from the very beginning. Uh, he tried to destroy it with Peter. He tried to destroy it with Pentecost. He tried to destroy it by, through, through attacks, through, making, uh, through uh, killing some of the apostles. And, and those things never stop the church. You know what it does? That's, those things bolster the church because it drives the Christians to prayer. And get, when God's people get on their knees and pray, it strengthens the church. It protects the church. It enables and empowers the church to serve. So, so those attacks from the outside never did anything. But you know what does happen? When we have pride in our hearts and we have, when, when my way, it's my way or the highway, or we're not willing to work with one another, divisiveness and, and division come within the church, and that will destroy a church faster than anything else. 
God's desires for unity. We see uh, that this lowly mindset. Who, had a, who else had a lowly mindset? We're talking about humility here. Jesus had a lowly mindset. The Bible says in Philippians, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why didn't he think it was robbery to be equal with God? Because he was God. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, he had his hand in creating everything, and without Christ, Jesus, not everything, nothing would have been created. Colossians says that, that, that it was created by him, and it was created for him. And in fact, all things continue to consist or exist or continue on because of him. That's Jesus. So, so uh, Jesus, the one who thought it not right to be equal with God, made himself like a man and humbled himself. Well, not just like, any, listen, Jesus coming to the earth as a man should have come down with robes and glo- wings, and uh, he should have been the picture of a man. When you, think of, when you think of a man, you should have thought of Jesus Christ. He should have had muscles bulging out everywhere, a beautiful face and perfect, perfectly combed hair. He should have been the most beautiful, most attractive. Men should have stopped and just been in awe of, of his awesomeness. That's what he deserved. But the Bible says he didn't come in form or comeliness. He didn't come with muscles. He didn't come with beauty. Uh, he wasn't attractive. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, he, uh, he, he, was, he was uncomely. He, he wasn't uh, an attractive person to look upon. He was just a person. But the Bible says he humbled himself and lowered himself like a servant. And even humbled himself to the death of the cross. He died a criminal's death. Why? He didn't have to. Well, he didn't have to unless he wanted to save us. He had the power at any point in time to call down 10,000 angels or, or to come off the cross himself, but he didn't. He humbled himself. So, so how much more should we have a lowly mind? What does that mean? I mean, it's easy to say we should be humble. What does that mean? It means putting others' needs before ours. Coming in here and not saying what, what I can get out of a church service, but what I can give or how I can serve. You see it in, in, in Philippians chapter 2. It says, let nothing be, verse 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, vainglorious pride, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. His submissive character was, uh, it was that he submitted himself so that we, he could die and give himself for us. How much more shall we submit ourselves? I'm not here to pat, get pats on the back or, or accolades or, great job! It's not what we should be here. If that's why you come, if that's why you serve, then you've gotten your reward. God wants us to come with humbleness of mind, not looking for those things. Not only does it say, uh, say low, lowliness of mind, but it also says back there in Ephesians, uh, uh, we, we see that, that uh, lowly mindset, we see the humility there, but we also see meekness. What is meekness? Gentleness. When I think of meekness, I think of a horse, because I'm terrified of horses. Uh, now I say I'm terrified. I'm not really afraid of them, but I understand what they could do to me if they really wanted to. 
right? We got some horses up the road, and my, uh, we walk up, and, and they like to be petted. So they'll, they'll run over to the thing and, and scratch it. But there's one of those horses that's jealous of the attention. So if anybody else, and he'll bite, and he is not, uh, not us. He'll bite the other ones and kick at them, and he's, he's just mean. And if he's going to do that to another horse, how much, what could he do to me if he decided he didn't like me? I don't like him very much. But he's the one I have to pet because otherwise the other horses get bit. <laughs> and it's funny because Zeke is always like, oh, can I pet the horses? So I'll pick him up. But I'm always watching because I'm afraid. You never know. Uh, I, I've seen videos of people get grabbed by the back of the neck and swung by a horse get, that was mad about something. But then you see these horses and they're just so gentle. And they go where they're led. They, they, they don't fight. They don't, uh, they're just gentle. My, my sister had a horse. Now, uh, he couldn't bite you because he didn't have any teeth. Uh, and, and when a horse doesn't have teeth, uh, they, have, uh, they have this problem where their tongue just hangs out. And horses have really long tongues if you've never seen it. So uh, what, what was his name? Mr. Adam, they, they, gave, they sold her the horse. But man, the thing just had a big tongue. And it was the nicest thing in the world. Uh, everybody said it should have been sent to a glue factory, to be honest with you. It was just old and nobody ever read it. Just nicest thing in the world. What's the difference? Gentleness, meekness. It's, well, meekness is this. It's, 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 it's strength under control. When I think of somebody with strength and the ability to, to, to do something and, and destroy, listen, I think of Jesus when he came, came, came down to this earth. He humbled himself. He had meekness. Listen, he was God in the flesh and could have destroyed all of mankind. I think about those, those they're, they're, they're spitting on him, they're mocking him, they're making fun of him, they're beating him, they're blindfolded. He didn't have to sit there and take all that. In his meekness, he suffered the persecution that was given to him. Listen, the Bible says that if we're going to walk worthy, that we need to have a lowly mind, that same mind that was in Christ. We're to be humble and we're to have meekness. Listen, we could get up and we could fight back. We could, we could gather our arms and go and fight the government. By the way, we're online and we're not going to do that. But uh, we, we could do that, right? Or we could have meekness, humbleness, and humility. And listen, it doesn't mean we, we need to enjoy and, 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 and thank God for, or, or, or let me rephrase that, thank people for beating up on us. And not, not, there's nothing anybody that does. Remember, uh, was it Chiru, the guy from India? They got up here and gave a testimony, preaching, on the, uh, preaching about Jesus, uh, the love of Jesus on the side, and uh, the, the group of guys that came around him, and they would punch him and knock him down, and he'd get up and say, thank you, and keep preaching, to the point where they knocked him, they beat him unconscious, and they wandered away, and he got back up, and he preached the word, and people got saved, people that had been watching the whole thing, and to the point where they t- went to those people and said, you were wrong, you shouldn't have done that. And, th- and some of those came back and got saved. Listen, that's meekness. Now, Chiru wasn't a big guy. I, I, I can't imagine if, if there's a group of guys that he would have won a fight, but he didn't put up a fight. That was called meekness. In the body of Christ, we should never come to fight. We should always come with meekness. We should always come with gentleness. Because there will be times when, when there's somebody that's going to, where if somebody's going to come in that doesn't have a humble mindset, so what do you do? Well, they don't have a humble mindset, so I don't either. I can tell you what's going to happen. Division. 
We need to be able to, to work together and put each other's needs before our own and have the humility of mind. We see that submissive character that he's talking about. But not only do we see the, the lowly mindset, but we see the long-suffering motivation. Back in Ephesians 4, it says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. What does it mean to, to, to long-suffering? This isn't an exciting message. This is kind of one of those messages that, uh, but it's an important message because this is the mindset that Christ would have us to have. Uh, uh, what is, what is, uh, what does it mean to be long-suffering? Elijah, what's it mean to be long-suffering? You don't remember? Take the words and think, think about the words. Long-suffering. To suffer long. That's actually a pretty good example. What it means is when, uh, to have a, 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 a long temper. Uh, when somebody's doing something to you, you don't get angry or upset about it. You're able to take, uh, take that and continue on and, and, and try to work with that person. Uh, so, so, Elijah, if I come up to you, sorry, James, you can't follow me way back here. Maybe, maybe you can, I don't know. But if I come up to you, Elijah, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to keep it you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Am I really sorry? Would you have every right to punch me back? Yeah, but long-suffering means you don't. And every time I do something to hurt you, it means you're willing to bear it and forgive and move on. Man, as, 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 as humans, the truth is we need to be able to forgive one another. We need to be able to go through situations that, that, uh, that, that we don't necessarily always get what we want, and we need to be okay with that. We need to be able to, to, to go through that. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't work things out and come together to an agreement, but we need to do that with lowliness of mind and humility, seeking the unity of the church. We need to be long-suffering. The Bible talks about something being long-suffering. Charity suffereth long. 1 Corinthians 13, right? Isn't it done or motivated out of love? The Bible says you'll be known by your love for one another. Jesus said that. When you love somebody, you're willing to put up with a lot. You know how I know that? My wife has not killed me yet, and I still, I still leave my, my socks on the floor. Now, I don't do that on purpose. I, it, it's a bad habit, and I'm trying to do better. I, I, well, I, I'm kind of trying to do better. <laughs> she, she says it doesn't matter. And, and, but you know why? Do you know why it doesn't matter? Because she loves me. Because when we love somebody, we're willing to put up with some things that we wouldn't be from somebody else. Because we all got bad habits that annoy the, 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 annoy the snot out of everybody, right? But, but, the, but the ones who love us the most, you know what? They'll put up with it. It's long-suffering. We're to love one another. And not the way the world loves, well, I'll love you as long as, as, long as I can get this, or this out of you or this out of you. No, long, I'll love you even through all, through all the annoying parts of you. <laughs> long-suffering. Long-suffering motivation. And then a loving mentality. We see it here 
forbearing one another in love. Now, there's a couple different meanings to the word forbear. The, the word forbear, the Greek word means to, to put up with or to bear up. Now, you could take that. There's a couple different ways. Forbearing is almost, could almost be like long-suffering. But why would Paul say to suffer long twice? He wouldn't. What he would say was, you need to be long-suffering, and you also need to bear one another's burdens. We are a family. God, God has, has created us to be the family of God. We are adopted into his family. We are the, a local body. We are a family. And as such, uh, the, we need to have this, a loving mentality that would cause us to come alongside and bear one another's burdens. Sometimes those things are spiritual. We have folks that are going through difficult times, uh, uh, whether they're, they're weary and they need someone to pray for them, whether they need someone to come around, come along. Uh, uh, this, this morning, uh, one of our older ladies was in the back and hasn't been able to get to church in a long time. was talking about how much she missed it. And listen, you know what she needs? She just needed a hug from somebody. Forbearing. Bearing up. Coming alongside. Uh, and and listen, hey, have you ever seen somebody that was having trouble making it? There's a, uh, I, I can remember watching this live uh, years ago during the Summer Olympics. Uh, it was a, it, I don't remember the guy's name. I, I've read a story about him since. Uh, it actually has been used as an as a illustration before, but, um, but I watched it live. I saw it happen. Uh, this guy was ra- running in, in this race, and uh, the last lap of the race, uh, uh, something happened. He collapsed. And, uh, worse, he, he, tore a, he tore a leg like he couldn't walk. And he was determined to finish that race. And he got up, and he's, that's the, that's the best he could do. He, he severely injured himself. And some man from the, from the crowd, like, shoves his way through. And they're trying to stop him. He goes, that's my son. And he went out, and he, he put his arm underneath his, or his son's arm around his shoulder. And they finished the race. What is it? He was preparing one another in love. He saw his son's pain. He saw the need. And he came alongside and said, I'm here with you. And he helped him finish. Listen, as, as, as children of God, God, yes, God can strengthen. and God can help us to endure. But God has put it upon us to love one another and to come alongside one another and forbear one another. To, to, to lift up, to, to edify, to strengthen, to bear one another's burdens. Lastly, we see this. That we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The word endeavor, it means, it comes from the, the, the Greek word sporadzo. It means to use speed, to make an effort to be diligent, to labor, to study. It means that to walk worthy, we need to be willing to work. (laughs) 
Hey, seriously, that's what it's talking about. It's, it's talking about uh, it's, uh, putting in a, 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 a commitment. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's this, uh, this strengthening, conduct, uh, strenuous conduct. Uh, it takes work. It takes study. Uh, but study to do what? To keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We have a personal responsibility, each one of us. When we, not just when we come to church. It's easy to say when we come to church, but listen, this, when we come to the service, this is a worship service, we, we, are, we are the church here, and when we leave, guess what? We're still the church. <laughs> but we have a personal responsibility. It's not somebody else's job to keep the peace or to work, to work, to work for unity. It is our Responsibility individually, mine. It is your responsibility because all it takes is one person, two people to to stir up a fight, and then you get sides, and then you, next thing you got a church split, and we do not want one of those. We, 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 all that does is it destroys the work of God. Listen, and God works best when we work in, in, in when He works in the Spirit, and as we're going to see here, He works in unity. There's a personal responsibility and a peaceful reality. We're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Notice that, oh, by the way, that's a capital S. That means it's talking about the, the Holy Spirit, not just some kind of spirit of unity. Because you can be unified in all kinds of things. And people at the Elks Club can be unified but they can't be in the unity of the Spirit of God. There is, we're going to see next week, or probably starting on Wednesday, uh, there, there is one Spirit, there's one body, we'll, we'll get into all that, but, but, but it's this, this Spirit of God. What does that mean? That we all are in one accord, with one heart, with one mind, with one purpose. They go back to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, and where, what were they doing? Where were they? They were all with one accord and with one, with one mind, with one heart. What were they doing? They were praying until the Spirit of God came. The Spirit of God came, and they all, with one purpose, went out and preached the gospel. People got saved. Uh, what, what do we still need to be in one accord? Now, now, that doesn't mean we're all little robots and all exactly the same, because we have different likes and different, and, and, and different dislikes. Uh, some people like the color blue. Some people, some people like a lot of the color of blue. <laughs> the church used to be all blue. Um, uh, whatever, guess what? It's a color. In the end, it doesn't really matter. Some people like carpet, some people like hardwood. Some people like the, uh, the Mexican food, and some people like burgers. Does, does any of that really matter? No. Those are, all, those are all personal likes and dislikes. But when it comes to the Word of God, and when it comes to the work of God, and when it comes to the moving of God, we all need to be unified in the Spirit. We should all be praying for souls to be saved. Carol's been praying for her grandkids for, well, as long as I know. What's that? <laughs> as long as the grandkids have been alive. We should all be praying for Carol's grandkids. 
We, uh, there, there, there are different needs that, that, that are, we should all be unified in the work of God. It's, it's not our VBS. I, I'm so thankful for the VBS this year. We've got so many people that are, are, are taking a part in it and, and being a part of it. Praise God. Why is that? Unity of the Spirit. I'm not, I'm not preaching this, this message because we have division in our church. I don't think we do. I hope we never do. But, but it's a continual work to keep unity in the church because it wouldn't take much to cause division. It could happen in a day. It, 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 and it could be as, as simple as somebody not picking up some trash and somebody else seeing them not pick up trash. And having the wrong, not having a, a humble and, and lowly mindset. So what do we do? We all have that personal responsibility to, to do our very best to, to, to come together with that lowly, humble, meek mindset. To, to endeavor, to study, to, to commit to the spirit of unity. to learn the word of God, to know that we can trust the word of God and that we can all agree on the truths that it teaches, that we all have a desire to reach uh, the people that live around us, we all, that we all work together in that. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's no greater peace than the peace that the God would... That, that peace isn't talking about just a peace of mind. It's, it's talking about peace between men. Peace with God. Why did Jesus come? So we could have peace with God. We weren't at peace with God. We were, we were, we were at enmity. We were at war. We were against God. Christ... Sent, or God sent, the Father, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Christ came not to make war, but to bring peace. Uh, not, to, not, to, not to destroy what was going on here, but to bring reconciliation between man and, 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 and God. And he did that by paying for our, our, our sin and be, by being that, uh, that atonement. He brought the, the Holy Spirit to bring unity within the church. Because until then, it was, they were all individualized. That, that, that yes, there was one God, and yes, they were, came together with one accord, with one heart, but they didn't have that spirit that tied them all together. But now we have the spirit of God. He dwells within me, and he, if you're saved, he dwells within you. And he, he has multiple different, uh, different uh, uh, purposes. He's our teacher. He's, he, 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 he convicts us. He has many different works. Uh, he, he helps us to pray. Uh, there are many different things that we go through Scripture. Where this isn't a message on the Holy, the Holy Spirit, but it is one on the, the, on the unity. And it's, it is that unity that brings, or it is that spirit of God that brings unity between you and I. Because you and I can meet each other and... and we don't have anything. Zach, you and I don't have anything in common. I like motorcycles. You don't like motorcycles. Oh, you're just not allowed to be on them. I, I thought I thought since one broke your leg, you didn't like them anymore. Okay, never mind. So we got motorcycles in common. But you know what we had more in common? Even if we couldn't sit down and talk about motorcycles, we have the Lord. And, and it's I, I run into people, and I I've shared this before years and years ago, but. 
I, I believed a previous a place that I had rented, I believe the people had stole an Amazon package that had accidentally been shipped there. And I went to confront them in my pride and very quickly found out in my humility that not only had they not, not seen it, but they were Christians. They loved the Lord. But what was encouraging about all that is even though I went there in there in, in pride, I left there just rejoicing because I was able to stay in there for 30 minutes, not talking about about the package that was missing. That took like 15, 20 seconds. Uh, but the spirit that was there um, and, and, and being able to to just fellowship with them. This morning, Sunday school class, Sunday school, man, what a blessing that was. Uh, as we sat there, uh, I, prayed for, I prayed for James. James hates standing in front of people talking. And if it wasn't already known, I wouldn't say it. But, but uh, he's, he's very upfront and open about it. And so he he's opened it up in prayer. And while he was praying, I was praying for him that God would give him the words to say. And, and man, the first thing he said was, what's your favorite verse? And man, the spirit moved. I'm not saying James got up there and, and said all kinds of magical and wonderful things. He's back there shaking his head. But the spirit was there. And that's what mattered. And I praise God for that. And that's that same spirit that unifies us. And uh, brings unity amongst our people. May God help us uh, to walk worthy. Part of that is realizing that we're not worthy, but that we're trying to walk according to the Word of God and the mind of Christ. Listen, there's nothing more worthy. There's no greater nature than, than Christ had, and we're to we're to not copy it. We are to embody it meaning the Spirit of God dwells in us, and he, the fruit of the Spirit come out of us. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for the blessings you've given to us. And God, we would ask that, uh, that you would just bless the next, the next few moments, Lord, as we're getting ready to, to baptize. I, Lord, I, I praise your name for, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And uh, Lord, uh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the example that Christ was for us. Help us to follow that example, Lord, that we might walk worthy, that we might be unified as a church. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.